Thanks for listening to the weekend message from Abundant Life Church. Most weeks on the podcast, you'll hear teaching from our lead pastor, Jeremy Jernigan. We have campuses in Oregon and Washington and are committed to giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. Find out more about Abundant Life Church at alcpnw.com. Well, good morning, Abundant Life Church. My name is Aaron Walton. I am the Happy Valley Campus Pastor. <laughs> um, and it is an honor to be able to be able to speak to you uh, this morning. How many of you have Thanksgiving traditions? Most of us probably have Christmas traditions, but how many of you have certain elements that need to happen during the Thanksgiving festivities in order for it to truly be Thanksgiving? Most of you probably do the go around the table and tell what you're thankful for. Uh, maybe some of you do that whole wishbone thing, right? I think it's just disgusting, but all right, whatever. Maybe, uh, maybe some of you uh, partake of the, the annual post-meal Thanksgiving nap, right? Isn't that just the most amazing thing ever? Or maybe you just like watching football and you have to watch football every Thanksgiving. Me personally, I can watch the Dallas Cowboys lose every Thanksgiving. I mean, that is the Lord's will right there. I mean, come on, people, let's preach it. But the all-time favorite Thanksgiving tradition for the Walton family is the annual reading of the table mats. For those of you that don't know, at the Walton household, uh, we have these table mats that my younger sister Kelsey made for us when she was in the third grade. And so what she did was she wrote down why she was thankful for each member of the family. And we have used those table mats at every Thanksgiving meal since she made them. And I want to just share with you just a couple of them, uh, just as give you a wonderful insight into the heart of my loving, amazing sister who is so thankful for her family. First one I want to share with you is the one that she wrote to our dad. And this is what she says. Dad, I am thankful for you because you help me with my homework. You take me to school if I miss the bus. You take me on your work trips. You drive us down to California. I love all the things you do for me and more. Love, Kelsey Walton. Two reasons why I love this one is mainly because uh, it appears that my sister is really thankful for my dad's ability to drive more than anything else. And the fact that she uh, made sure to be clear that this is Kelsey Walton, just in case my dad was like, who is this from? Oh, it's your daughter. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Next one is uh, the one that she wrote to my brother, Logan. Logan, I am thankful for you because you play with me, you help me when I'm hurt, you babysit me when mom and dad aren't home, you buy me stuff sometimes that are sometimes I am thankful for you. <laughs> Love... Kelsey Walton. Uh, I love that, just that honest truth. Sometimes you buy me things, so sometimes I am thankful for you. I mean, I think we all feel that way. And the last one, the best one that she wrote is the one that she wrote to herself. She says, I am thankful for myself because I have a great family, I have lots of good friends, and I have the best animals in the world. You see how the hierarchy goes in her heart? You know, there's family, friends, best animals in the whole wide world. And then the best line she, that she has of this, I love all the stuff I have and more love, Kelsey Walton. <laughs> love that, that real phrase right there. I love all the stuff I have and more. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And as we are here today on December 1st, really 
uh, the, the first true day, right, of the, the Christmas season, uh, I just want to give us some space uh, as we walk through uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and we uh, take some of the truth that we see reflected in this small passage of Scripture, uh, especially as we head into this Christmas season, this most wonderful time of the year that can be confusing, it can be chaotic, it can be really distracting, and we can miss sight of why we actually celebrate this. You see, Paul wrote this letter to uh, a young leader named Timothy in a young church where he was basically just trying to plead with them not to get lost and not to get distracted in some of these outside things, but to continually point them back to Jesus and to, as a phrase that he uses, which is one of my more favorite phrases in the entire scripture, which is found in verse 19, he says, take hold of the life that truly is life. And so hopefully today we can create a space just in a little bit for us to be able to really ask the question, are we taking hold of the life that truly is life? So if you have your Bibles, again, 1 Timothy chapter 6, I'm going to start at verse 3 and go to verse 10 just to start us off this morning. If anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malice talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. First question I want to ask today is this. Do you wish to live a life of abundance or substance? Now, most of us, when we hear this question, we would probably automatically go, oh, no, 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 I, I, I don't care about the abundance. I don't care about all this stuff. I, I want to live a life of substance, obviously. I mean, it's like one of those times when someone says something to you or asks you a question like that, and you flat out deny it, right? You completely say, no, no, that's not true, even though there might be some truth to it. All the time, people come up to me and they say, Aaron, you are way too sensitive. And I'll look at them and I say, I am not how dare you say such a thing? I'm never going to speak to you ever again. And then I go cry in the corner or something like that. It's one of those hard truths, I think, the hard questions that sometimes we have to really wrestle through instead of just brushing it off and saying, oh, no, no, I do all the right things. I'm good with my money. I know how to be generous. But ask yourself this question. If you had to really look at yourself, do you really care more about having just more stuff or having a life of substance? Now, last time I preached, I told you guys a story of our uh, AC unit at my home uh, went out. And we had to uh, have someone come out and uh, see if he could fix it. And he told us, he said, listen, I can fix this right now, but eventually you're going to have to replace your entire HVAC unit. And I said, no, <laughs> come on, come on. Just stay with me here, buddy. Let's go. Let's, let's put the, the power of the Lord upon this, this AC unit. Let's just give me a couple more months. Get me through the summer. We will deal with that another day. And he said, okay. So then uh, about a month or so ago, uh, my wife and I wake up one morning and we are freezing in the house. And it's like, oh, this is weird. And we wake up and we walk downstairs and we realize, oh, 
our heater is no longer working. So our friend comes out. He checks out. He said, listen, I tried to tell you guys this a couple months ago, okay? Listen, it is time to replace your HVAC unit. And then he told me how much it was going to cost. And then I looked at my wife and I said, you know, do we really need a heater? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, is that, is that an essential part of having a home? Like, you need to have something to heat your house? I mean, we've got, uh, you know, blankets, you know. We've got the stove right there, you know, no big deal. We can just hold each other all day, babe. Wouldn't that be great? She was not a fan of that at all. She was not on board with that. So we had our HVAC unit replaced, and it was pretty spinny. Now, this could have not have happened at the worst time. A little insight into the Walton family over this last season. Uh, my wife, after working uh, a job that she loved for many, many years, decided uh, to walk away uh, and decided to quit. And so we've been um, without her income since June. And it's been really difficult for her to try to find a new job. And it's been an incredible journey of her self-discovery, of her kind of connecting with God in some amazing ways, but it's been really difficult. So not only have we been in a state of kind of financial kind of rockiness for a while, then we have this huge repair that we need to make. And then I found myself kind of freaking out a little bit, kind of getting really upset and really frustrated because the life that we had lived up to this point, we can no longer live. The things that we could do, the places that we could go, the things that we could buy are no longer something that we can do. And I found myself wrestling with this, that I, I, I want this. I like these things. I like the stuff that I have and more. Why is this happening? This is so frustrating. And that's why I love this chapter in Timothy, because there are so many nuggets to convict me, to challenge me, no more so than verse 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. This is one of those verses that just kicks me in the behind. You know what I'm talking about? That just really challenges me and hits me to the core and asks me the question, asks, makes myself ask the question, do I have contentment? Can I be okay with what I have? I love what Paul does. He basically redirects the church and he redirects Timothy to understand what true gain is. Right? He uses this idea of gaining, this natural urge that we have of wanting more, of wanting things, of wanting stuff. And he says, think of it of this way, that true gain, true um, possession of something. If you want to hold on to something, hold on to this. Godliness and contentment. And godliness is just a really churchy, uh, you know, fancy word of just saying our pursuit after Jesus, our ability to look more like Jesus Christ. And contentment is this idea that we can experience peace and trust with our circumstances. That wherever we are, whatever we have or don't have, that they, we can experience some level of, it's going to be okay. And I know that God is figuring this out. He's got our back. The author Richard Foster in his book, Celebration of Discipline, he calls it living a life of simplicity. And this is what he says. The inward reality of simplicity involves a life of joyful unconcern for possessions. Neither the greedy nor the miserly know this liberty. It has nothing to do with abundance of possessions or the lack of. It is an inward spirit of trust. This is what I believe happens when we pursue the way of Jesus, when we seek after God in our lives, when we try our best to put our attention and our energy into building a relationship with the living God. He will give us lots of things. A couple of those are this idea of contentment. 
that he gives us peace. And what I understand of peace in this situation is the ability to forfeit the power of outside circumstances. To say, I'm not going to allow the things on the outside of my life to dictate the value of my life. Just because I don't have what I normally would have, or I don't have the things that I normally would like to have, or if I'm continually thinking, man, if I just had this, if I just had this, if we just had these things, God gives us a peace to be able to be let go of that concern, of that burden, to forfeit the power that stuff has in our life. And the other thing he gives us is this ability to trust, to be able to say, God, you've got this. I, I see the bills. I see what's happening, but I still trust you. I don't know what the next week's going to be. I don't know what next month's going to hold. I don't know where we're going to be, but I trust that you are with us and that you are leading us. So my first challenge for you today is this. May the abundance of our faith be reflected in a posture of peace and trust. As we head into this Christmas season, let this be the posture that defines who we are and how we do and how we live and how we interact with each other. A posture of peace and trust. What part of your life today, is there some part of your life that you need God to give you peace in? You're unsettled, you're frustrated, you're wrestling with something. You wish something was different. You wish you had the things that you don't have. You are asking God, if you just could give me this, then I would be so happy. If I could just have these things, then everything would be okay. Where do you need to say, God, just let me let this go? Or maybe there's an area of your life that you just need to say, God, I need to trust you in this. On my own, by myself, on my own power, I can try to figure this out, but I need to believe that you are working, that you are doing something behind that I can't understand and that you've got our backs, that you are guiding us, that you are leading us. What part of your life do you need God to give you his peace and to give you his trust? As we continue on in chapter six, we see that this is, this is a rough area that I think the church is dealing with and Paul is doing his best to call this church out and say, stop worrying about this. Stop focusing on this. Don't be consumed with this, but instead, let me remind you of a truth. And Paul reminds Timothy of a pretty important truth in order for him to wrestle with these hard questions and then also lays the groundwork for some amazing things that he's gonna say at the end of this chapter. So verse is 11 through 16. Follow along. But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you, to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever. Amen. Second weird question. This is gonna, this is gonna be a little weird. Who do you think you are? I don't know if you ever had anybody come up to you and maybe something you said or something you did and they just come up to you and they give you that look. Who do you think you are? When I was in college, I remember uh, driving on Division Street one time and uh, as I was driving, a lady uh, pulled out from her driveway into my lane. And so I did what every normal 
you know, driver would do in that situation. I got in the other lane, gave her a quick little, hey, beep, beep, beep. I don't know if you saw me right there. You pulled out in front of me. And then just got in my lane and kept on driving, right? Nothing big, nothing crazy. Just, hey, by the way, I was there. Get to the red light. And I'm, you know, doing my thing, singing my songs. And uh, I see a car pull up right next to me at the red light. And I hear some noise coming from the other car. I say, just don't look at it. It's fine. Don't want to just keep singing songs. Everything's going to be great. No big deal. But it's yelling so loudly, and there's so much noise going. I said, okay, I guess I got to look. And I turn, and I see this lady screaming at me from her car. And I go, what did I, I didn't do anything wrong. She pulled out in front of me. All I did was honk my horn. What's the big deal? So I said, well, maybe I want to hear what she has to say. <laughs> and so I rolled down the window, and, uh, and I looked, and she started yelling, and I'll never forget what she said. She screamed out, who do you think you are, man? What's your problem? Did you feel good honking your horn? Did you feel like a man? Did you feel like a man? <laughs> I was just like, it's like, you pulled out in front of me. And she's like, oh yeah, I did. Did I? Did I? And like, we just go back and forth. And I'm just like, what is going on here? And the light turns green. And, and, and she, she looks at me. And the last thing she says before she speeds off, she shakes her head and she goes, nerd. And then she drives off. <laughs> And I'm going to tell you, I mean, I mean, I've been called nerd my entire life, okay? So it wasn't the first time that that ever happened. But that hurt, okay? That struck a chord inside of me. And I'm not proud of the way I responded to her after that, okay? I'm not proud. And I'm not going to tell you how I responded to her after that. Because since then, I've met Jesus and I've given up that lifestyle. But I've remembered that voice echoing in my head. Who do you think you are? And I think it's a good question to ask us every so often. Who do we really think we are? What is the one thing above anything else, above everything else, that defines who you are? If you strip everything away, if you look at your life, what is the one thing that truly defines who you are? Look at verse 12 again. Paul, again, is encouraging Timothy. He says, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called where you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You see, Paul is trying his best in the midst of all the stuff that this church is dealing with that we just read about in verses three through 10. All this, these things that they're having to get distracted by, the wealth and the greed and the lust for things and material possessions and all this stuff. He's like, do not forget, Timothy, who you are. Do not forget the confession that you made in the presence of many witnesses because this truly is who you are. Some commentators believe it's, Paul's either saying, don't forget your baptism, that moment you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord and that you invited him into your life and you made the commitment to live for him or that he, that Paul is pointing to the moment of his ordination where he was affirmed as a minister of the gospel that you, Timothy, are going to be a leader and that we are going to believe in what you are doing and go out there and do what you can to build God's kingdom. I love it how um, Henry Nouwen, uh, one of the, my favorite authors, he talks about this and he puts it in, this, in the, the span of self-rejection, which is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us beloved. The beloved expresses the core truth of our existence. So let me ask you this. What do you need to be reminded of today? 
Everybody has shown up here for some reason, whether that's just because you come to church and that's just what you normally do on Sundays or maybe you just found yourself here and you're not sure why. Maybe there's something today that you need to be reminded of, something that you've forgotten, something about your life, something about maybe the confession of your faith that you need to just stop, have some space and be reminded of who you are. One of the ministries that we do here at Abundant Life is called Rooted. And what Rooted is, is a 10-week discipleship experience where you basically get to do three things. You get to get connected with other people in the church. You get to uh, have an opportunity to develop a personal, devotional life with God, to connect with God on, on a daily, regular basis. And the third is just to really figure out, why am I here? What, what's my purpose? God, what can I do with the life that you have given me? And at the end of this 10-week discipleship experience, we have a big celebration. We have a big party where we have worship and we have a, a message from Pastor Jeremy. And we um, allow everyone to show up who's gone through this. And then what we do is we say, okay, listen, from this day forward, you are no longer just people that attend church. You're not just spectators. You're not just people who can come in easily and then come out without anybody noticing. From this day forward, we as your church affirm you as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I could only preach one sermon, if I was only given either one opportunity, if I could only preach one sermon for the rest of my life, it would be this reminder that the truth is for everybody in this room right now, everybody who can hear my voice, please hear me when I say, that you are God's beloved children. You are the beloved sons and daughter of the Most High King. He has created each and every one of you in his image. His love for you is constant, unconditional, and sacrificial. And that love is so strong that it takes our life, the brokenness, the hard, the mistakes, whatever we go through, and he can use it for something amazing. He can use it for a divine purpose. So my second big challenge to you today is this. Claim your identity as a child of God and a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every single person in this room needs to be told this every single day that you are children of God and nobody can ever take that away from you. No matter what mistakes that you have made, no matter what hard roads you have walked down, the God of this universe is continually calling out to you and trying to remind you that I love you that you are my children and no one can take that away. And not only do I love you, but I'm going to use you in incredible ways in this world and in this community. I can take your life, the testimony that you have, all the thing, all the junk that is in your life, and I'm going to use it for something incredible. Now, this is where things get really exciting. If we are to truly believe and truly claim our identity, as sons and daughters of the Most High King, this is where things get really, really exciting. So follow along again, verses 17 through 19. This is where we're gonna close out here. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that truly is life. Like I said at the beginning, 
the biggest thing that Paul wants this church to understand, the biggest thing that he wants Timothy to understand is like, listen, there's a lot of different things you can do. There's a lot of different places you can go. There's a lot of different things you pursue. Please, please, please take hold of the life that truly is life. And it's no more found than in verse 18. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. How many of you guys have ever heard of the TV show Boy Meets World? Anyone out there ever heard of that TV show? One of my favorite TV shows of all time, okay? It was one of those shows that you, like, you found yourself in, you connected with, right? The whole premise is it's about this young kid who kind of grows up and learns the ways of the world and family and of friends and of school and of life. And it was one of those shows that I said, yes, that's, that's me. That's the life that I'm living right there. My favorite scene, every time I see it, just makes me tear up. It's the final scene where the teacher, Mr. Feeney, gives a final speech to his four favorite students, Corey, Topanga, Eric, and Sean. And this is kind of his final speech to this classroom of saying, these are my parting words for you. Before you go off and do your own thing, you, you leave this place and you live your own life, hear me when I say this. And this is what he says to them. Believe in yourselves. Dream. Try. Do good. And then one of the students raises their hand and says, don't you mean do well? And Mr. Feeney says, no. I mean do good. Third challenge for you today, church, is this. Let us seize every opportunity to be a church who is fearlessly and fiercely generous. Let us take every opportunity that God is going to continually orchestrate us for us to take hold of life that truly is life as we live out the love, the hope, the generosity, the kindness that we have seen in the living God, Jesus Christ, as we take advantage of every single opportunity for us to do good. Where is God calling you today, today, to do good? What part of your world, your life, your family, your community, your work, has God said, go and be rich in good deeds? We all want stuff. We all want things. We all love the stuff we have and more. And I am the first one to say it. And again, I've been going through a season where I've had to really ask myself, what do I really care about? What's, what's life really all about? What is the most important thing? Is it about the things that make me happy all these nice luxuries that can make me content? Or is it about this challenge of the scripture, which is to go out and look for those moments to do good, to actually be a representation of the beauty of God, of Jesus Christ in the smallest of moments. I got a real quick video clip that I want to share with you. It's from, from one of my more favorite movies uh, growing up called Patch Adams. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Patch Adams. Really cool movie about this guy who wants to become a doctor. But he doesn't want to be just a doctor that helps uh, cure illnesses and disease. He wants to be a doctor that also connects with people and connects with the heart and the soul of an individual person and then also helps them with their disease or their sickness. And back in the day, as the movie shows, there was this clear line between the doctors and patients, and there was a really firm, like, no, there needs to be separation, and you don't even talk to them by their name, you just talk to them by the disease that they have or the illness that they have. And so Patch says, no, I want to connect with people. I just want to make a connection with a human soul, and I want to be able to give them encouragement. And so this scene 
is as he's wandering through the hospital, trying his best just to connect with people, even though he's not supposed to be there, he stumbles in to a children's ward. And he just allows who he is, the core of who he is, his heart, his desire, his passion to come out in a beautiful moment as he just does good. Let's watch this. As we close today, I just want to give you just a word of encouragement. Just a word of, of just a, an opportunity and some space to really ask yourself this question. Are you living the life that truly is life? Have you been distracted like I have been over this last season and allowing myself to get consumed by these outside things? By these things that really at the end of the day have no value. They don't have any worth, but they can be so all-consuming. Are you truly wanting to live a life of substance rather than just abundance? Are you allowing the identity of the God that loves you, that calls you beloved, are you allowing it to be reflected in who you are? Are you needing to be reminded today of how much God loves you and how he can take your life and do something amazing with it? And it's these opportunities that he's going to lay. He's going to orchestrate moment after moment. Before the day is done today, you will have a moment to do good. You will have a moment to connect with a human soul. You will have a moment to reflect the love of Jesus. Don't miss out on it. Do not miss out on the awesome, amazing opportunity to be rich in good deeds and in generosity. Take hold of the life that truly is life. December 1st, here we are. Christmas season, here we go. Let us take hold of the life that truly is life. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. And I thank you so much for the incredible and amazing opportunity, Lord, to be able to just speak your word. Lord, I pray that you would give us the desire to live a life of substance, Lord, that you would empower us with peace, a peace that surpasses understanding, has no logical sense, but you give us a peace to rest, to be calm, to not worry about the things we don't have and the things that we need and the things that we want, but for us to experience a calm of the spirit and a trust that we can practice to know that you've got us, that you're working all things for your good and for our good, Lord, and for your glory, Lord. Help us practice the posture of contentment today, Lord. With whatever we have or don't have, Lord, let us just be excited for the life that you have given us. Lord, let us be reminded today that you love us. Let us be reminded today that we are your beloved sons and daughters and that you have called us to be ministers of your gospel, that you have given us an opportunity today to be a church that goes out into this world and goes out in this community and tells people about who Jesus is, your son, and the life-changing love and sacrifice that came through the cross. Lord, let us continue to build our life, build our life upon your love to build our life upon your hope, to build our life upon you so that through your Holy Spirit, you would empower us to do good, not to do well, not to be successful, not to get it all figured out, not to have everything we want, but for us to be a people and a community that does good, that shares the love and reflects the love of your son Jesus with anybody that we stumble upon, that we find ourselves interacting with. 
Heavenly Father, I pray as we sing a final song, Lord, be with this church, be with this community, and continue to let us take every opportunity this month to take hold of the life that truly is life. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.